Hey, sales lift audience, it's Tyler Lindley here. Today, I bring you part two of my interview with Jason Cutter. If you haven't listened to part one, please go back and check out the previous episode, or you can dive right in halfway through our conversation. It's a fantastic interview with Jason Cutter coming to you right now. Yeah, I do agree with the farm league mentality. I think that sometimes it works out great. Sometimes you've got people who are naturally great at qualifying. They can naturally move into a full closer role and, and that's a natural transition. Other times it's not. Other times I think SDRs will be better off transitioning maybe to a marketing role or transitioning to a different part of the team if they're looking to expand their career. Not necessarily, I think the path is always to moving into a closer role because they're, they are two different skill sets. They are two different yep. two different things that you could be good at. And, and I don't necessarily think just because you're good at pounding the phones and qualifying doesn't mean you'll definitely be an authentic persuader when it comes to closing the deal. So... Do you yeah, talk and about? I have had many people work for me, and I've seen many people in organizations where even when offered the chance of moving up to a closer, they're like, no, no thanks. Mm. I don't want that pressure. So funny. I don't want the pressure of having to move someone forward or close a deal and ask for money. They like their spot in the funnel and they enjoy it and they like opening doors, but they don't necessarily like the pressure, mm -hmm. which is funny because most closers are like, I don't want to be on a dialer. I don't want to be cold calling. I don't like that pressure of being you know, punched in the face <laughs> you know, 200 times a day. Yeah. Um, and so the key is finding the right people. It's all about self-awareness, really. Yeah. Exactly. No, I totally agree. One thing that I think is important for, especially as we continue to to progress, you and I both have podcasts. We talk about sales and it seems like social selling, which I think our podcasts are, are definitely an extension of our, our social selling arm, are, is becoming more important. People utilizing their personal brand, utilizing social media platforms and uh, creating content on their own. Uh, and I'm talking about the sales rep or the sales leader creating mm -hmm. content, not the marketing team necessarily. How important right. do you think it is for sellers to really market now in this day and age as things are changing? Is it, Should sellers be marketing themselves? Should they be social selling? And if so, like how big of a part of a big of their daily mix should that kind of muscle be in your opinion? So it really depends. I mean, if we're talking business to business sales where there's some in online interaction and there's going to be a demo and depending on who you're talking to, then I think it's really important to at least have a presence, mm -hmm. right? To at least have, let's say, a LinkedIn profile that's filled in with an about section with all of your job history with a good, you know, good and good picture, <laughs> at least a professional picture. It doesn't have to be like or just a quality, picture. <laughs> A, a, well, A picture and then B, uh, something better, the, pro, the banner picture. Again, right. it doesn't have to be, I'm not saying spend thousands on it and get it all done, but at least have some presence. Obviously, like I have clients that are in retail, the, that doesn't matter, right? For a retail salesperson in a store. But you know, if the thing is that here's the real answer to your question is when you speak to somebody to move them forward in the transaction. So you're an account executive in a B2B sales role. You're going to do your demo call. Just assume that person has done their research <clears throat> on you, your company, your product and service, in your competition, and they know more about you and your company than you probably know about you and your company because <laughs> they've dug it all up. They found it. They've Googled you. They've looked at it. 
Just assume. Not yeah. everybody does it, but just assume every single person is Googling the crap out of you and your business before yeah. they get to you. So at least have it. Now, I also would agree that you make a nice profile. You don't have to be putting out content and videos. Some people say you have to do that as a salesperson. Mm-hmm. You could be sharing your own company's content and, and, and uh, value and their videos and contributing to that and sharing that, commenting on that, sending that to people. Like, I, I think you could go, if it's a good fit for you, on your own social selling path and creating content. Mm-hmm. You could all just be sharing what your company does. I have a client that does the same thing. Like, I'm telling all their sales reps and they sell B2B, is they don't need to create their own content. It would be a little weird in what they do. But every time the company who's super active from a marketing standpoint, because they're posting a couple times a day on LinkedIn, share their stuff, mm-hmm. share it, comment it, like it, share it with your contacts, forward it, say, hey, I thought you would like this and just send personal messages and leverage what the company's doing mm-hmm. instead of feeling like you've got to do it yourself. Right. Yeah, I do agree. It's situational. However, I think that it's becoming such an asset in the sales process. If you think about mm-hmm. all of this content that we create, it's not just for content's sake. I think if you're doing yeah. content marketing correctly, I think you're doing it with an intent and the intent should be to focus on your target audience. And what are their problems? What are they thinking about? What news is relevant to them? And that can be used throughout the sales process. I think that when we think about what marketing's role is, marketing is obviously there to educate and and brand and and get us a seat at the table, but it's also there to help us throughout the sales process as well. Marketing, whether you're creating content on your own or you're getting the content from marketing, use that content. When you have that discovery call, that can be things that you'd share after the call. Uh, You could share a podcast episode like this. Hey, this 30 seconds snippet with Jason and I, we had a great discussion about exactly the problem that you're going through. Take a listen tell me what you think. There's so many, so many ways to bring that into the sales process. I think sometimes the sales reps are scared to do that or leaders might be scared to enable the teams to do that. But I think it's such an asset when individuals are utilizing marketing content or video or audio or any or written content, any type of content throughout the sales process. Is that something that you would suggest folks do is utilize that content during sales? A hundred percent. And what I would say is that whenever possible for the leaders that are listening to this, they should be the ones that are building all of that, Mm -hmm. right? So they should be building that playbook and that framework of, okay, so here's the library of assets we have, right? Here you go. Here you go, Kim. Here you go, John. Mm -hmm. Here we go. So here's what I have. We have all these podcasts. We have all these topics. I have these snippets. I have this blog article. I have this content. I have this white paper, whatever. So here's the library of information. And then here's when to use it. Here's who to use it for. And just serve that up. Uh, You don't have to go full automation, which is, okay, demo complete. Now send them this. (laughs) Now send them this. Right? Which I I think that's good, but that's usually overwhelming for a lot of companies Mm -hmm. and or they're having customized conversations, which means you have to have them like 20 different different tags to yeah. then It can be a little robotic, I think, when you're automating yeah. that throughout the sales process. I think you can automate it on the front end, but if you're automating yeah. your sales process, there's so many dynamics, so many things that could change throughout those conversations from one talk, chat to another that it's hard. Automation can sometimes trip you up, I think, in those circumstances. Yeah. And then what you have is templates and automation Mm -hmm. that then have to be modified and edited each time, which is good if you just set them up that way where it's, here's the starter, right? So post demo, here's the template we send. Now you, Mr. Sales Professional, fill in the gaps. Mm -hmm. I enjoy talking with you. I wanted to send you blah, blah, because of blah, blah. And this is why I relate. Not just, okay, I'm going to pick template A, send. 
yeah. be send, fill it in. But I think the leader should put that together and build that library, that playbook. And here's the options mm-hmm. and keep refreshing it and then see what works. And then salespeople and sales professionals, in my opinion, if you want to treat your career like a profession and you want to reach professional financial status and long-term success and have something that you can do consistently at a high level, then it's a function of you also adding to that. You collecting other things, Mm -hmm. not just things from your company, but other resources you can bring in. Like, hey, I found this. I think you'd like this. I, I thought this might help you with your situation. And from a place of intention, which is, I just want to help you get to a better place. Mm -hmm. Hopefully I can help you if you have a problem I can solve. Otherwise, at least get to a better place. Yep, exactly. Yeah, in that that scenario, salespeople are the curators of the content. We are the ones that we know their situation better than anyone else. We know exactly where they are in the sales process. What content makes sense for them right now based on what I know, based on where we want them to go? What can I put in front of them that would help them move? And I think part of that is that's a lot of sales this day and age. There's the, the sales that happens in between calls. There's the sales that happens before you ever talk to a customer where they're looking you up online or they're they're interacting with your marketing content. They're learning about you. They know so much before they ever speak to you. And then after that first call, before your second call, there's so much going on there. So much time and information that you could fill that space with that helps to move that sale forward. Um, and it's it's almost, I feel like sales is happening in the gaps more and more as we, we do, we are talking to people, but I feel like it takes less calls now than it used to. Everything you used, we used to be information givers. Now we're mm-hmm. information curators and we're, we manage the process of, uh, uh, but but it's all about, I think, filling those gaps that can sometimes separate those A from B players. What advice would you have for filling those gaps, uh, whether you're a sales leader, helping, what what could you tell your team to do to fill those gaps well? And I, I totally love what you just said, Tyler, because it's exactly what I was thinking <laughs> as you're talking about it. Because here's the biggest difference that I've seen in the buying public and then the way sellers, top sellers operate now is realizing that your customer, your prospective customer isn't coming to you for information. Mm-hmm. Everybody has within arm's reach at 24 hours a day, all the information in the world, Right. It is nobody is more than an arm's length away from their phone. Mm -hmm. Uh, If they are, it's stressful and they're constantly looking for it. Like they just lost their puppy. Uh, Where's my phone? I can't feel it. It's not near me. I'm speaking from my own experience, but um, I'm now wondering where mine is. (laughs) Yeah, I know where it is. I keep seeing it's in the corner. In an an unhealthy, but also healthy way, you just got to understand that people don't need you for information. Sometimes Mm -hmm. they do, right? Again, this is a blanket statement. Some people like they're totally clueless and they need you for it. But if you're selling anything B2B, they don't need information. What they need is wisdom. Mm -hmm. They need the application of information and knowledge into wisdom, which means how can this help me? How can I achieve my goals, right? And so there's a quote I use in the book and I love this quote. And I'm I'm not the greatest at memorizing and then saying quotes, except <laughs> this one is great. And it's from Miles Kington. And it's knowledge is knowing that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is knowing not to put it in a fruit salad, mm-hmm. right? And so it's you wouldn't do that. And people know that and you laugh and it's okay, that's funny. But that's what salespeople do is they think I still have to be the purveyor of information. Hmm. My job is to lecture. My job is the brochure. My job is features and benefits. Spend most of your time diving deep, asking questions, uncovering it. And then what you're saying about the content you're sharing in the gaps mm-hmm. and, and all of that, that's you giving wisdom and mm-hmm. helping them. If, if they just needed information, they it would either call customer service 
or just ordered online. Mm-hmm. The fact that they're talking to you means they need wisdom and guidance. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's essentially what we are today. I mean, as sales reps, we are, if you're building a team, like you're trying to build a team that has wisdom because that's yep. what buyers are looking for this day and age. They're inundated, over inundated really with information. What they want is you to curate it and guide them and understand their situation better so that you potentially could help them solve their problems uh, versus just inundate them with more information. We don't need more information. We are all, we're all have plenty of content in front of us. That's not helpful as a sales rep, but if we can guide that process, I think that's what buyers are looking for. Which is fascinating because I'm thinking of it as you're just speaking. Me as a buyer, especially if we're talking like B2B or, or something like that, I'm looking for some kind of solution for my business or for one of my clients. I actually don't do any research because I know there's so much information mm-hmm. and I just don't even know where to begin. So I break the rules of what I just spent, I don't know how long talking about that everyone knows more about you than you do. I go into it with some idea, but also mostly blind because I want to hear the wisdom. I actually don't care about the information, hmm. right? I want the solution, which is what your buyers want. They don't care about the information. They want the solution. So yep. they're either well-informed or overwhelmed and just just give me the answer. Hmm. And so you want to make sure you serve that instead of what most salespeople do, which is the long product company self-focused monologue in the beginning of the conversation Mm -hmm. uh, without even knowing if they can help somebody. Right. Exactly. Back to the doctor example we gave. It's not like they start off with, well, I've been here for 20 years and here's my degree and and I have a nice white yeah. coat. Yes. These are many, yes. many books, leather bound books that I've read over the years. They don't care about that. They care about, I'm here to solve X. Let's discuss that. And if we can come up with a solution, great. Uh, all of that other is, is secondary at that point. So, yep. That comes in afterwards. Once they know if they can help, then it's the trust building. Then it's the proof. Then it's the, okay, you have a heart problem. I do 180 heart surgeries a year. And now let me tell you why this matters. You have this problem. I can solve it. I'm the best. Mm -hmm. Hold on. Let's go. And that I do agree. That's to be, that's to be used at the end. Those case studies, that proof, that social proof, you can, all that can come in at the end when they're ready to make that buying decision as here's the proof to put you at ease at the beginning. It, it means nothing because there's no context and you don't even know if there's an opportunity either. I mean, you might just right. be spinning your wheels. You're wasting their time. You're wasting your own unless you just like to hear yourself talk about your yourself and your company and your own benefits, which I, a lot of salespeople do. So that's a trap that, that a lot of us can fall into. So where do you think sales is going? I mean, obviously being an authentic, authentic persuader, I think is definitely a huge asset, especially if you're in a closing role, you're leading a team of closers. Where do you see sales going in the next few years as information just continues to overload folks, as we're all just busier and busier, as the world is crazy with uh, lots of things happening, a lot of us are remote now. What what are some things you see coming and, and how can sales leaders start preparing for those things now? I think it's really embracing and shifting even more and more into the wisdom, problem-solving, professional guidance side, right? It's understanding that people have the information and what they want is your wisdom. And so it's really shifting the way sales is done at scale across lots of companies, which some companies are doing great, which is like we've been talking about, getting to know the person, getting to know their situation, asking questions, and then trying to solve the, the issues. So I think that's one part of it which is in the conversations, just embracing that more and and just shifting how the conversations play out, what that process Mm -hmm. is like. And 
understanding that your prospects are afraid, that we all have the primal part of our brain, the amygdala, that's still trapped 10,000 years ago in a cave thinking that everything is trying to kill us. Mm -hmm. And the wrong berry, eating the wrong berry could kill you this morning. And so, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to sign up for your B2B marketing uh, SaaS platform because I could (laughs) die, right? That part of our brain is so afraid. Your job is to help them get past that fear. That's all that matters. That's your only job as a salesperson. And so companies need to shift into understanding that and doing that. So that's on that side. And then even before that, which you brought up many times, which I love, which is the marketing piece, is the conversation with the prospective client is happening from the first brand exposure, the first ad, the first content, the first billboard, the first TV ad, whatever. Like that conversation has started in their head and where the the best organizations get it right is that conversation starts. And then when the salesperson speaks to the prospective customer, they continue the conversation. Mm -hmm. The best organizations have rev ops leaders, which are bringing together sales and marketing Mm -hmm. instead of sales and marketing being at odds. And hey, you give us better leads. No, you close my good leads. They're good enough. And this like constant lifelong battle that there is. The best organizations are bringing them together for one goal, which is the company and then the customer. It's one customer. Mm -hmm. It's not marketing's customer. It's not sales customer. It's not customer services customer. It's one customer Mm -hmm. for the company and everyone just needs to work together. That's when it's a home run, especially in the future when it's this cohesive message. Yep, exactly. I totally agree. I think in the future, marketing and sales teams start to blend together. I I think we see marketers have commission tied to revenue dollars that they help to influence. I think sales reps are more involved in the marketing process going back to social selling, like we were talking about earlier. I mean, it seems like the two are just blending together more and more each day. And the companies that do blend those roles together, the teams communicate better. I think those are the companies that will win versus this being this argumentative siloed role, siloed disagreement, if you will, that that are the companies that are going to fail. Uh, Whereas the ones that are working in lockstep and talking to marketing every day, or have that, that go between that rev ops leader or sales enablement person in the middle, who's helping to bridge the gap. Those I think are the companies that are going to win going forward because the two roles are blending and, and becoming one role. I mean, revenue generators really that, that it's, it's hard to see the difference now. And going back to what you asked about early, early on when we were talking about the kind of companies that are struggling where it's a founder, small team, Mm -hmm. maybe hiring their first sales rep, maybe hiring their first few sales reps. One of the challenges, and this is what I see, and this is just humans being humans, is that most companies are founded by somebody who's either a marketing-focused founder, a sales-focused founder, or a technical-focused founder, Mm -hmm. right? Technical-focused founder is, I'm really good at building websites, so I'm going to start a company about building websites. I know the technical stuff. I don't really like salespeople. I don't like marketing. Then then they hire those groups. Mm -hmm. They're like, but sales wants this. It's no, shut up. I'm the web guy. Like You wouldn't Mm -hmm. exist if I couldn't build these websites. And sales is, you couldn't exist if I don't sell people. And so the challenge is, is if it's a sales-focused founder, then they think sales is the best child out of the family. Mm -hmm. And then they favor that, right? Mm -hmm. If they're a marketing founder, they think marketing is the the best child and the favorite child. And then everyone else is secondary. And then you have this issue. Mm -hmm. So the more that a founder can look at all of them holistically and like all of the departments, the sooner they can do that, the more likely they are to succeed. Yep. No, I totally agree. In my mind, there's three buckets. There's the team that's helping before the sale, during the sale, and after the sale. And like if those teams aren't aligned... 
at any stage of that buyer's journey, that's where issues break down. And then they're depending on the size of your company or the, the scale or the complexity of the process, there might be different people. You might have the same people handling multiple parts of that process. But if you as a company can't outline that buyer's journey and outline what needs to happen at each stage, then you will struggle uh, because you don't want those teams or those people disagreeing. You want them working together. You want them collaborating because the teams that collaborate better before, during, and after the sale are the teams that win now and in the future. And, and that's the challenge, right? And this is where I help a lot of companies. And this is usually a painful reality for especially a lot of founders. But that's the challenge is you want them all to be speaking. But you know, it always comes from the top. If there's a mm. challenge, if there's an issue between departments, it's because it's from the top, right? <laughs> they say the fish stinks from the head down. And a lot of people don't like to hear that. They think I'm the founder, like I'm the entrepreneur, I'm the CEO. It's not me, it's them. It's you because you either tolerate it or you created it. And that's great because once you know that, then you can start to fix it, right? Mm -hmm. And then you can bring people together, bring in other people to balance things out. But yeah, I mean, I think that's the right founders, the right CEOs and leaders are, are bringing people together and departments together for the sake of the company and the customers when aligning everything. 100%, totally agree. Jason, it's been a fantastic conversation. How can my listeners find you online if they want to learn more about you and, and what you do? Best way is to go to jasoncutter.com. So that's a hub for everything I have going on. If you want to find where the book is available, you want to book a time to talk to me, do like a free sales call. We can chat about sales, find all my other projects, find the consultant, go to jasoncutter.com. And then also I'm really active on LinkedIn. And so you want to chat with me there, follow me there. I put a lot of content up on there for, for everything I have going on. Perfect. We'll link to both of those in the show notes. We'll also link uh, to the Amazon link to your new book, uh, which I've been reading through over the weekend. It's absolutely fantastic. I highly recommend everybody checking out the new book, Selling with Authentic Persuasion, uh, that just dropped. So Jason, appreciate you coming on. Uh, we'll definitely have to do it again at some point soon. Uh, thanks so much. Thanks, Tyler, for having me. All right, Thank you day. so much for listening to today's show. You can find all the links discussed and the show notes at thesaleslift.com. That's the, T-H-E, sales, S-A-L-E-S, lift, L-I-F-T, dot com. Have questions for me? Email me at tyler at thesaleslift.com. We look forward to seeing you back here next week. And we hope today's show brings you the sales lift your business needs. Remember, ideas plus action equals results. You've got new ideas. Now it's time to take action. And the results will follow. See you next time.